Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of Mickey Mike's Up, my brand new podcast. In this very first episode, we're going to be breaking down the U.S. Women's National Team Olympic send-off games, the NWSL games that were very rainy, and what my roommate Clara and I have been doing to prep for college, considering we move in in like six weeks, which is crazy. I have lots to cover, so stay tuned, and I hope you guys enjoy this first episode of Mickey Mike's Up. The Olympics officially kick off in two weeks, and the United States women's national soccer team has already left for Tokyo. The team landed in Tokyo a few days ago and have already begun training, but before heading off to Tokyo, they had the Olympic send-off games, which took place in Hartford, Connecticut on July 1st and July 5th. I had the pleasure of going to the game on July 1st, which was quite eventful to say the least. I drove to Connecticut early that morning, and when I tell you it was raining, it was like torrential downpour the entire time, loads of traffic. The traffic was so bad, even Meg Linehan, a journalist for The Athletic, in case you guys don't know who she is, tweeted about how she had been stuck in traffic. So the traffic was insane. Now, I said this in the trailer, but I'm only 17, and that was my first big drive by myself, and it was a little intimidating. I also had to go over a bridge, and there were trucks flying past me, and it was just... It was an experience, but eventually I got to Connecticut, I met up with my bestie Hannah, and we went to Target to get stuff to make posters for the game. We made three posters, so one was for Kristen and Crystal, and then one was for AD, one was for Tierna, and I made one for Tobin because I had bought a Tobin Sky Blue jersey and I was hoping maybe she would see it. She didn't see it, it was pouring rain the entire game, but... It was still fun nonetheless. When we got to the game, it was raining, like it was drizzling, but as we were sitting there, the weather just got worse and worse. We had ponchos, but by the end of the game, they didn't really do anything. My jeans were soaked, my socks were soaked, my shoes took two days to dry. I drove home barefoot the next day, but I wouldn't have changed the experience for like anything because to get to see some of my favorite players play, like Kristen, Crystal, and Tobin, was so much fun. And honestly, like, seeing some of those people play in person is quite literally life-changing. Like, Crystal Dunn, everybody needs to see her play in person at one point or the other. But now that I've told you how I got to Connecticut and the crazy ride that that was, I'm going to tell you about the game because I think that's why we're all here. So for those of you who don't know me, Tobin Heath is the reason that I got into women's soccer. She is just my favorite player, like, ever. Um, and so the game that I got to see on July 1st was her first game back since December. Her and Kristen Press went over to Manchester United, and while there, they both faced a series of injuries, but Tobin's has kept her off the field for a while now. Once we heard news about her ankle being hurt and how things were getting better there, suddenly there was reports that her knee was injured, and so nobody really was sure if she was going to be fit to play, how it was going to be coming into the Olympics, what we were to expect from her, because she hadn't played on a national level, or even a club level, for months now. And so there were a lot of people who were iffy about her being on the roster, but she was, I guess she saw that and was like, let me shut this down, because Tobin came on, and with less than a minute of her being on the field, she scored a goal. But we're going to talk a little bit about her recovery and how she's come back from injury. 
There hasn't been a lot of information over the last few months about Tobin's recovery, but after the game the other day, she did a presser interview, and in the post-game interview, Tobin talked about not knowing if she would get back to this place, which hearing that was a little bit worrisome because, you know, you never know when it's going to be your last game because things could happen, and so for her to have just spent the last few months not knowing if she would ever play her final game for the national team, knowing it was her final game, that must have been a lot on her, but as fans, like, I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, I would have never gotten to see Tobin play in person. And that might sound a little bit selfish because obviously it's more important to her that she, you know, is healthy than me getting to see her play. But it's crazy to think how little information was told. Um, She also talked about how right after her injury, her mom came to visit her in Manchester, which when you look at what was going on in the world, you know, COVID being at its like peak, that's a lot, which shows how bad the injury probably was. And for us to not know a lot and to see her come back like this even stronger than before it's really exciting as a fan and I'm sure it's really exciting for her too. When it came to recovery she talked about training with Laura Harvey and Kristen Press and how they have both helped her a lot to get back to where she is. Um, They spent some time in LA training you know doing drills and then when the national team was in Houston For the summer series, she was there as a training member, which gave her some more time to be back with the team, which I think was really important, especially because she was then named to the Olympic roster. So if she hadn't had that time with the team, I think her being named to the roster would have been a little bit too soon. But with her not having trained and her not having played with the team, people were justified in their um, worries. Tobin was training on my side of the field when Hannah and I were at the game, We were right there and I saw her walking over and I just, I couldn't really tell you what happened. I just know for a fact I smacked Hannah, like her arm, a bunch of times and I was freaking out and the people in front of us and the people beside us were like laughing at me. But honestly, I couldn't care less because I was getting to see my favorite player train and I wasn't sure if she was going to play, but a staff member actually came over, whispered something to Kat, Katarina Macario, and then... Tobin finished the drill she was running and Kat said something to Tobin and then they both walked away and I was like oh my gosh Hannah Hannah I think they're coming on and then I saw Tobin take off her penny and I saw the seven and I just I I lost it I was screaming there's a video I have of me literally full-blown like tears sobbing because I was way too excited and then she subbed on and when she scored her goal I think I blacked out like genuinely I was so like incredibly happy and it was such a pretty goal she ran on her first touch of the ball Alex slid her this beautiful pass and she just touched it like went for it and it just right I I can't even find all the words to explain it because it was just such a nice goal and for that to be her first goal back was absolutely incredible and I was so lucky to be able to have been there to see it um And just seeing how excited the team was for her, like, it shows how important some of these players are to, like, not just on the field team antics, but, like, off the field because everyone talks so highly of her and how she encourages everybody. And so for her to get that moment where she scored and then to see everybody come run up to her, like, even AD, the goalkeeper, she ran all the way over to hug her. And it was just such a good moment. And everybody in the stands was happy. And it was just such a, like, a happy moment. Some of my takeaways from the game were that Tobin and Kristen work so well together. If you look at the July 5th game, as soon as Tobin was subbed off, nobody was passing the ball to Kristen. 
everyone was passing to Alex and to Pino and they just got lost in the fold of things and Kristen had these opportunities where she was wide open and should have had these beautiful runs but nobody was passing the ball to her and so I think that whenever Tobin's on the field they just have like this connection like with the ball and they're just able to easily find each other on the field to score these goals um crystal needs to start like there's no doubt about it crystal holds that back line together she carries up high into the midfield and even to the front line i personally think that crystal can play anywhere you put her and she would just dominate it we also need to have some more appreciation for abby dahlkemper because she is so solid in that back line she has played like the most minutes constantly is there and she's consistent too some of these defenders are very inconsistent lately but Abby is so incredibly solid and she's become a lot more like talked about and I feel like her going to Man City has only helped her um I personally think from the July 5th game that Alex and Pino really just throw off the chemistry with certain players on the field Alex can only play the striker position and so when you have all these players trying to feed balls in different directions, but she can only play this central position. It's not going to give a wide variety of opportunity to score because she can only score one specific kind of goal. And Pino is really only good on like set pieces and corner kicks. But even that, I think that Kristen Press takes much better corner kicks than Pino does. Um, So there's a lot of things that I would personally change about the national team where it is right now. I think that in the midfield, we need to see a little bit more of like Katarine Macario because she's very crafty in the ball and she knows how to play forward enough, but not too far forward. And in the back line, I think I would like to see a lot more of Tierra and Davidson. She connects really well with Kristen Press and I think that the experience will be great for her, especially going into larger tournaments and with some of these defenders who have been on the national team for a while, possibly retiring. Now that the alternates are fully grouped into the Olympic roster, I would really love to see Lynn Williams get some time and also Casey Kruger. Both Lynn and Casey have like just missed the mark on a bunch of major tournaments and are always just like the backup options. And so I'm really glad that they're finally getting that chance to show that like they deserve to be there because they're both very consistent in their club teams and very solid there so I hope that they get this chance because I don't know if I, if you guys have all heard but for the Olympics the roster is normally 18 with four alternates but going into this Olympics they changed it so it's going to be a 22 people roster completely but on game days only 18 people can dress so I think that one always has to be a goalkeeper but for the midfield front line and back line, it gives some change for like what could happen. So you could see Katarina Macario subbed in on that 18 person roster or game days if Julie Ertz still isn't fit. You could see Lynn over someone like Pino or Carly if they're trying to manage their minutes and save them a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what Vlaco does going into the Olympics. But all I can say is that there are clearly some partnerships on the field that work and there's clearly some that don't and I think that we really need to iron those out going into the Olympics or else we're going to face some issues. One other thing when it comes to Olympic roster is that I think we all need to say justice for Midge. This is especially true because she's one of the most versatile players and 
I remember when the Olympic roster was coming out and I was telling Hannah, I was like, oh, you should, don't have to worry about Mitch. Like, I really thought that she was going to be such a lock-in because she plays forward well. She plays defense well. She presses high and she's very good on the ball and plays well with a lot of these players that she would have been such a perfect person to have on the team, even as an alternate, because now the alternates are included and she could very easily sub into any of those positions that they need her to do if injury happens or something like that. And so her not being on the roster was very shocking to me. So justice for Midge, guys. Justice for Midge. This next segment is going to be a brief week and a half recap of the last few NWSL games. The first game that we're going to talk about is the Chicago vs. Louisville game that ended up being postponed almost three hours because of torrential downpours and tornado warnings. Once the game finally kicked off, the Chicago Red Stars were just not having a, g- a great day. Their forum was messy, players were worried about slipping and sliding, and when you have a bunch of players who are about to leave for a major tournament, it just created this very off-putting sense of team, and it really worked against them because Louisville ended up scoring three goals with Yuki Nagasato and Savannah McCaskill, who both played for Chicago, scoring a goal each against their former team, so that kind of put a damper on their already sour mood. Along with that, Kelia Ojai scored a goal, and it was clearly over the line, but the referee said it didn't cross and ended up not counting it. Although the goal wouldn't have helped them win, it might have brought about this better sense of team spirit and helped them, you know, push a little bit more. But also it brings about the question of how can we fix the refing in this league because the refing in the NWSL is consistently inconsistent. It's never the same. Calls are made one place and then not made another. And obviously when one person is looking at a situation, it's going to vary from time to time. But a lot of these refs are not on par with how they should be for a professional soccer league. And it's really worrisome. Along with the miscalled goal, Danny Caliprico also earned a red card on a second yellow offense, which left the team playing with 10 players instead of the usual 11 So when you have a team who's already feeling dejected, already losing, and then you have a player who has been a strong foundation for the team getting subbed off, it really didn't help their situation. Throughout the season, Chicago has really been struggling to find consistency, and I think that a large factor in that is their coaching. They've had the same coach forever, basically, and they always make it so far, but never far enough. And I think that it could be time, especially seeing how this season is going, I think it could be time to look into a coaching change, maybe a woman coach, maybe some lower level coaches. I don't really know what the issue is, but there's obviously something that's not working because the team has a lot of good players. They have good chemistry off the field. A lot of them are always hanging out. They're always looking like they're having fun at practice and stuff like that. But when it comes time to game, they're just not converting in the way that they should be. And I definitely think that something needs to change in their organization. The next game we're going to talk about is the Gotham vs. Kansas City game. I had the pleasure of going to that game with my dad to celebrate their Pride Night. And honestly, I was super excited for the game until we started driving there and there was rain. And then there was lightning. And then there was thunder. And each instance of lightning or thunder pushes the game back half an hour. And so the game got pushed back 3 hours and 20 minutes. So they didn't come out to start training until 9.30, and then the game didn't start until 10.20. So it ended well past midnight. 
My dad and I ended up only staying for the first half because we still had to drive home and he was tired and I can't blame him. It started getting cold. One thing it did show me was that there is a consistent lack of communication between fans and these teams. I love the Gotham admin on Twitter. I really do. She's great. She's always responding to people's tweets. But in a situation like this, when the stadium wasn't giving a lot of information, when the NWSL wasn't giving a lot of information, and then the team wasn't giving a lot of information, it was getting a little bit frustrating because I'm like, how much longer am I going to wait? Are we just waiting for the game to be canceled? Is the game going to happen? You were just standing around inside of the dome and just hoping that it'll start soon. And there were a few times where it stopped raining and we thought it was going to start, but then it didn't. And this happened multiple other times, like with the Chicago game and with the rain game. And like all of these teams haven't been super communicative when it comes to weather. And I know that the weather is out of everybody's control, but there definitely is a large lack of communication with the league as a whole about a variety of issues. And so the weather is just one small thing, but then you have all these other bigger instances. And when you look at the weather for the day and you see that it's going to rain, and not just like a light drizzle, but that it could thunder and lightning, why wouldn't you make that known earlier in the day? Like, hey, there's a potential this game could be canceled. Why not try to reschedule the game for the next day? Like, there's a lot of different alternatives that I feel like the NWSL never takes advantage of. And it's something that seriously needs to be improved upon because players shouldn't be playing in conditions where a tornado might come by if, you know, an alarm goes off while they're on the field or, you know, they're coming out to train 20 minutes after a lightning strike. It it definitely needs to be fixed. The game ultimately ended in a tie with Ifiana Manu scoring for Gotham in the 31st minute and Mariana Laraquette scoring for Kansas City in the 83rd minute. Um, Gotham looked really great throughout the entire game. They were sharp, their passing was pretty accurate, they were really on top of things. I think that the ball just kind of got a little bit lost in the Kansas City defense whenever it would try to like cross across the field from Iffy to a player like Midge Purse. Um, one of the biggest issues though was right before the half ended, um, Kansas City took a free kick I think and Didi Heracic, our goalkeeper for Gotham, went out, got punched in the face, I think, and she ended up subbing out, but she still played the few remaining minutes of the half, and then she subbed out. Um, she's okay, but but I think for Gotham already being on their second keeper, to have to go down to their third keeper was really an issue that I think threw them off a little bit for the second half because their keeper that came in, Mandy McLean, has, that was her first NWSL game that she had played in. So she's like the backup backup. And so when that's your first thing and you know that Kansas City is going to be pressing, it really does create a bit of an issue because if you've never played in the NWSL, you're not going to have that awareness and like that preparedness to go against a player like Amy Rodriguez. These teams who are going to be pressing because they don't want to lose again Kansas City has lost most of their games. I think they've drawn three and then they lost the other ones. And so they were really looking for a win and they ended up getting the tie. But I think when you have this keeper who's never had game experience before, it does make it a little bit easier to exploit certain spots. Overall, shout out to the Gotham admin for playing great music. At one point, they were literally trolling everyone playing songs that only had rain in the title. 
and it was a good time. Everyone was hanging out inside, dancing, listening to music. My dad brought, bought me and him pride shirts, which made me really happy, and it was really sweet. And so it was a good time, despite all the rain. Shout out to Julia and Renee for talking to me and for Nubia to talk to me too. That was so fun to meet all of you guys. And now we're going to talk about another game. The OL rain game against the Houston Dash also ended up getting postponed because of the weather. So I guess it was just a really rainy weekend in America. Um, the rain lost 2-0 with the Dash Dash's goals coming from Katie Naughton and Jasmine Spencer. The game was pretty evenly matched if you look at the stats. Like they had a very even percentage of passing, possession, and like shots on goal. The Dash was just able to convert what they had and get it past the keeper a lot easier than the rain had. Um, the rain was also dealing with their coach having been let go from the organization because he came in with these high hopes for the team and a lot of people were looking forward to how the team was going to turn around with all this national talent and stuff like that but it really wasn't working like they haven't been consistent either and so coaching change will definitely help going into the rest of the season but I think that that might have been a factor weighing on them when they were playing that didn't allow them to quite reach the level of potential that they have. And so it'll be interesting to see who the, who the team hires as the new coach and how that'll shape the team chemistry going into the rest of the season. Especially with a lot of the players being gone for the Olympics, it'll give some opportunity for some younger players who weren't being played to get opportunities, and so it'll be great to see what happens there. The NWSL also had a few more games over the weekend, including the Portland Thorns versus Louisville game, where Portland won 2-0, and then the North Carolina Courage versus Orlando Pride, where Orlando lost their first game of the season. They were on a huge winning streak, and people were like, wow, who is this Orlando team? And things were looking up, but they have lost a few games since then, so it might have just been beginning of the season luck. With the Olympics two weeks out, most of the players representing their nation will be leaving their NWSL clubs this week or already have left to train and prepare with their national teams. So this will be an interesting period for the NWSL while some of the top names and goal scorers like Lynn Williams and Dabinia will be gone. Um, but this will also be a great opportunity for some rookies like Trinity Rodman and other stars like Sydney LaRue and Ebony Salmon to really shine more than usual. Um, Louisville is one of the only teams that are, that isn't losing any players for the Olympics. So it'll be interesting to see how they use that to their advantage against the other teams who rely on national team players to score their goals. Just to wrap up this NWSL section, I think that we really need to praise Sydney LaRue because she is so solid for Orlando. She is carrying that defense and that offense. She plays high and she really pushes back. She's scored in almost every game, I think, and if she hasn't, she's, she's at least contributed to the goal, and I think that that's really important to have a player like Sydney who you can really rely on for the team, and I mean, she's just a badass in general, like two kids scoring killer goals and looking good while she does it, so I think we need to take a minute and give a round of applause to Sid, so... And now, of course, the part that you guys have all been waiting for, how Claire and I have been prepping for college. So a few months ago, when my roommate reached out to me on Instagram, we started talking and we officially decided to room together. It was very, very exciting. I mean, it still is exciting considering we move in really soon and like we're just counting down the days now. 
but when it comes to buying things, we both kind of organized in our own ways at first. So I had a notes app on my phone where I had three sections, things I want, things I have, and things I need. So things I need was like bedding, you know, organization stuff, school supplies, things I want was like new clothes, some decorations, and things I have were things that I was already planning to take with me. So certain clothing items, some storage bins that I already have. Clara broke it down differently by having a section where it was bedding, a a kitchen section. And so she broke it down by rooms essentially. And then ultimately she ended up making a spreadsheet where we could mark off what we got and write a note as to what color it was and how many we got of each thing so that we kept it organized but also when we move out at the end of the semester it'll be easier to pack things up. The spreadsheet is honestly genius because she put in some code for it so that whenever you type in a box it goes from red to green and we each have our own column so there's a Clara column, there's a Mickey column, and then there's a both column. So things like the mini fridge, you know, the vacuum, those are things we're going to share and so that gets marked off in the both column. And it's been really helpful to keep track of what I still need and what I haven't quite added to my registry yet. Since I graduated pretty late and I had a lot of plans, I didn't do a graduation party. I decided to do a going away party. And so I made a registry on Target and on Amazon for family members to buy me things directly off of there instead of give me money because I leave like four days after my going away party. And so that just felt like a really easy alternative. And so like some of the things that I had put on there were like plates, bowls, cups, you know, a mirror, um, some pillows, things like that. I have bought some of my own things off of those lists just to get a head start on what I do need. So, so far I have a rolling cart that I, that perfectly fits my blender that someone got me. Um, I have plates, bowls, cups, pillows, all my bedding stuff, all my beauty supplies, and then a few storage bins, a whiteboard, stuff like that. Um, but there's still a lot more to get. And so I think that the registry is a really great option because people know exactly what I get and they're not asking me oh what do you want or giving me gift cards so that I can go out and buy it myself because exactly what I want word for word is right there. Now when it comes to larger items I know people often have issues with what them and their roommate are going to get and so Claire and I figured this out really well that we don't want to get a TV. Everyone uses streaming service for services for everything. I'm always on my laptop and I already have a projector from Christmas a few years ago. So we're just going to bring that and then have that to watch movies or anything. Just click some few things in, put it on a wall and you're good to go. And so we're not getting a TV, but we figured I'll get a vacuum. She'll get the mini fridge. Both of those things will be shared. But ultimately, it's what works best for you and your roommate. And so you really just need to communicate with your roommate about what you want to do and where you want to go. Each week I put this out, I'll check in a little bit with any new college stuff I've gotten and any more tips I have about moving, which next week it'll be five more weeks. That's all for the first episode of Mickey Mike's Up. Thanks for tuning in. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Um, I had a really great time recapping all things women's soccer so far and I hope that my college section wasn't boring but if it was thanks for sticking through if you got to this point I'm really excited to see where this goes and I really appreciate all this love and support 
make sure to subscribe and follow on here and follow me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Alfano or on Instagram, which is Mickey.Alfano. I'll be posting more information on there and that's where I'll be sharing this podcast. Make sure to give me any feedback you have and this is me signing out.